sing. Welcome to church this morning. Let's stand and worship together.
All right, turn and say hi to someone this morning, or good morning, or whatever. Oh, oh, oh. 
Father God, thank you for another beautiful day. God, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I do pray that we don't remain here. I pray that everything that, that you're teaching us today and that you've been teaching us, God, for these many years, that we would take it from this place out into the world, God, and that we would reach people in your name with the hope of Jesus, God. Please open our hearts and minds today, Father, that we would receive your message. I pray for Pastor Chris, God, as she is so anointed by you in this message, God, as she completes this series. And Lord, I'm so thankful that we've had um, so many different voices telling us how close you are to us and the opportunity for us to draw close to you, God. I pray for Chris today, Lord, that you would just continue to speak through her as we, uh, as we complete our worship this morning. But don't let it be the end, Father. Let us take our worship outward. I pray for all those that are sick today, God. There's so many struggling with uh, all kinds of sickness, Lord. Would you just touch them and heal them? Bring them some peace, Father. And we pray that you would draw many, many here today, God, online, in person, wherever people are, God. Just touch them. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please have a seat. No, I demand it. Have a seat. <laughs> Ooh, who's going to be rebellious today? Stay standing. I like that. Yeah, you people in the back, stay standing. I'm just kidding. All right, so welcome. Glad to have you today. Thanks for coming and joining us in worship. Um, we'll go through the announcements that we always do very quickly, uh, make it simple. If you have a mobile device, and if you don't, get in 2019 already. What's wrong with you? I mean, I know Ronnie was here last. He's the last flip phone in the, in the world. He's still holding on to that. Apparently, Joe, did I hear the Razor's coming back? Wow, you know what I mean? Welcome back, 1986. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I hope they do the bag phones again. Remember, Jody? We talked about bag phones were the best thing ever. But if you don't have one of those retro phones and you actually can access the intranets, then we'd love for you to check in on social media. Um, the old people will check in on Facebook. The young people on the tweeter. Um, that was a joke from last night. It still makes me laugh. <laughs> and apparently, just to clarify, I'm the only one that makes myself laugh, so I, I do this for me, not for you, so I don't really care if you like it or not. Um, anyway, seriously, please check in. What we do with that is simply tells people that, that you actually attend church, which is cool. When I came to Christ um, back in 2007, I had run from God so long, and um, people were shocked that I was attending church, that I was, had given my heart to God. Honestly, people that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And so when they would see things from me that I was at Salem Fields, it would start up a conversation. So that's really the purpose of that is just to have other people have the opportunity that you do to hear about the hope of Jesus. So it'd be great for you to join us in that. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. Uh, we're not all lunatics here like I am. I'm, I'm really very unique in that way. So you can, you're a safe place here. It's a good place to be. We have a welcome table outside. It says first-time guest. We named it that to make it very simple for people. Walk by, grab a free, free gift, and, uh, and just we'd love to greet you and say thanks for coming. Uh, we'd love to have you back. You received a program, I hope. Um, if you haven't, just raise your hand and you'll get one. The program has a connection card in it. That's a way for us to stay connected to you. See, it's in the name. It's really cool. Um, you connect us, we connect to you. If you have prayer requests, we'd be glad to pray for you. We have a prayer guide that we mail out to a lot of people. So you have people that you've never met actually praying for you. And we definitely want to, to pray along with you. But if you have information that you need from us, you can submit it on the, on the card, drop it in the bucket as they come by, and we will gladly get in touch with you and help you with that. 
So the buckets coming by is indicative of the fact that we collect a tithe here. We believe that people who love God tithe. And those who are regulars here, you've heard this a million messages on it. We shouldn't have to tell you that again. But we would love for you to be faithful in that. Guests, you're not required to drop in any money. We're not going to ask you for it unless you're feeling overly generous, which is totally fine. But we do know that God loves a cheerful giver, and he outgives us every step of the way. And I would be glad to tell you my personal story. Catch me in the back sometime, and I'll tell you how God met my needs when I couldn't believe that he, he did. So we, we'd love for you to do that. And we'll be doing collecting tithes during the next song. Lastly, this, I'm, I'm, this is the third service. I'm going to get this right this time, which is cool. We have specialty groups here. Um, that meet. We believe in small groups. We believe that life change happens in the service, but mostly in small groups and relationships. So we have some specialty groups. We have grief share, which is, you know, for people who've experienced loss, um, but we also have divorce care. Divorce care is a biblical answer to the devastating nature of divorce. I can tell you personally, I, I've gone through that. I've, I've been divorced, and I went through the divorce care program. It was absolutely phenomenal. It's a biblical response to something that is so horrible for our families, for us, for our spouses, and for our children. So we have a program here that meets every other week. It started Friday, and the next one is on March 1st. It's at 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., but I'm telling you, it's absolutely incredible if you're struggling with divorce, if you're going into it, you're in it, coming out of it, or you know anyone in your life that's, that's had that struggle. I think you would absolutely do them yourself a service and them a service by mentioning it here. We'd love to, to help them. Uh, just like it helped me. So it'd be great. Other than that, we're thankful that you're here. Enjoy the next worship song, and you're going to have a great message today. Thanks for coming. Change. 
if you didn't know that, and um, I'm new on staff. I just joined the pastoral team here at Salem Fields. It's awesome to be here and to share God's word with you today, and being the kind of fun-loving person that I am, I thought it would be fun to start with a game, a game that's going to tie into our message. So I hope that you are willing to participate today. If you're not, just humor me in the process. So this is a game that you might have played before. It's called Would You Rather? Would you rather? Some of y'all are having flashbacks to middle school whenever, you know, we're, we're keeping it clean today. But it's a game called Would You Rather where I will ask you a question and um, I'll say, would you rather this or would you rather that? And then we're going to take a little bit of a vote. I'll ask you to raise your hands for which one that you would rather have or rather do. So first question is kind of a classic one. Would you rather live in the mountains or at the beach? Rather live at the mountains or at the beach? So mountain people. Mountain goats, right? Okay, mountain people. What about the beach people? The beach bums. Wow. Okay, the other service is kind of evenly split. We have a lot of beach bums here. I love it. I love it getting ready, right? So uh, would you rather speak to a large audience or run in a marathon? Hmm. Would you rather speak to a large audience? Even if you're deathly afraid of it, right? What about run a marathon? There's the runners in the house. I'm going to, okay, recruit y'all. We're going to all go do the Marine Corps next year, right? Okay. What about this? Would you rather be without TV or be without chocolate for the rest of your life? This is a hard one. Would you rather be without TV? Would you rather be without chocolate? Okay. Very, very interesting. What about, would you rather be a kid your whole life or would you rather be an adult your whole life? 
Who would rather be a kid, be a fun-loving kid, you know, go to playgrounds and fun stuff? Would you, and Chuck E. Cheese, right? I love Chuck E. Cheese. What about, would you rather be an adult your entire life? Y'all are so serious. Oh my gosh, wow, wow. Oh, um, yeah. Would you, adult that, okay, you want the, the we're gonna get there in a minute. So, okay, uh, would you rather the details of your finances be made public? or the details of your relationships, your whole past history be made public. I mean, you can just go on Facebook for that, so I don't know. So would you rather the details of your finances be made public? What about the details of your current and past relationships be made public? Okay, okay, and the last one here. Would you rather your body fall apart but your mind remain strong or would you rather your body remain strong, but your mind fall apart? Interesting question. So who would rather their body fall apart and their mind remain strong? And who would rather their body remain strong, but their mind fall apart? Okay, interesting, huh? So this, this game kind of indicates something that's prevalent in our lives, right? That we, we tend to view many things in life as a duality. Two things, meaning that they're, they're unconnected. You know, for some of us, we were maybe brought up in a tradition of church where having a female pastor, like the two didn't go together. Another example would be the Washington Nationals and the World Series, right? Like the two, just don't, they don't fit together in our, in our minds. But the thing is, I want to challenge that concept today, especially in regard to a teaching in the church about the body and the soul, the body and the soul, something that we usually think of as a duality, as things that are totally unconnected and maybe even one takes a higher priority over the other one. I want to challenge that thought today and ask the question, what if that duality between body and soul doesn't really exist? So two questions I want to begin chewing on today as we begin, and we're going to revisit these at the end of the message. And the first is, do we believe what we do with our bodies will affect us spiritually? Do we believe what we do with our bodies will affect us spiritually? And the second question is this, do we believe what we do with our bodies will affect others and the body of Christ spiritually? I think they're two really important questions, and they're questions that we're going to answer today. So uh, humor me here, and uh, would you lean in? Lean in, listen, because that's the series that we're capping off today. And we're in week four of the sermon series, Lean In, that uh, is based on a promise that is given to us by God. In the last three weeks, we've been talking about this. And it's based on the scripture found in James chapter four, verse eight. And I'm gonna ask you to read this along with me. It's pretty, pretty short and simple. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Let's do it one more time. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. And we have to consider something really, really amazing here that Pastor Buddy mentioned last week when he was talking about a, a clean conscience, a clear conscience, but it's something that's really, really incredible. You know, when we, when we think of famous people in our world and in our culture, right, aren't there usually barriers to get to them? You know, take, for instance, one of my favorite NFL players. Anybody know who this guy is? Nick Foles. Nick Foles. So Philadelphia Eagles, he threw the last touchdown in the Super Bowl. Did you know that? 
to this day. He threw the last touchdown, even after this year. Uh, they were the champions in 2018. Or if you think about maybe this actor, uh, Morgan Freeman, right? Love his voice, love his, his acting. Another favorite actor of mine um, from Greatest Showman fame, we have Zac Efron. Dreamy, right? Ladies, you're like, oh my gosh, he sings so nice. Right, woo, I like that. I like it, I like it. But you think of any of these people, or you know, you have favorites too, people that you watch, whether in athletics or in, in the movies or in acting. We have people that we would love to get close to, right? But what would happen if I attended an NFL game and Nick Foles is playing and I jumped onto the field, say we're in Philadelphia and I jump onto the field and I wanna get close to Nick Foles, what do you think would happen? I'd get like tackled, you know, they'd like, like grab me and actually in the Philadelphia stadiums, get this, I think it's probably true in New York as well, they have a little holding cell for all the people, they do. I'm a proud born and raised Philadelphian, so I can, I can say that. But I'd probably get tackled and like pulled away. Or you think of, you know, if you would attend the Academy Awards next week and you would run onto the red carpet, what do you think they would do with you then? They'd probably like smack you over the head or something, right? Knock, knock you out. They would prevent access. Well, that's a different story with God. It's a totally different story with God that God the creator of the universe gives us full access to him. Think about that. It's crazy, an unhindered access, an unhindered relationship. That, that we have full relationship with God through the person of Christ. And so that's the promise that God gives us, that when we draw close to God, God will draw close to you, that God is always the active and present. But of course, there's something required of us, though, to get closer to him. Because it's that first part of James 4, 8, when you draw close to God, right? And there's a key scripture that kind of piggybacks off this. One of my, it comes from one of my favorite books of the Bible, because um, did you know, by the way, that coffee is in the Bible? Coffee's in the Bible, the book of Hebrews. Fantastic. <laughs> Feel free to use that as biblical evidence for coffee. But, um, but, but it's a promise, and, and it's also there's something required of us. And this is a book that was written to Jewish Christians just a couple decades after the resurrection. So it's pretty amazing. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says this. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and our body washed with pure water. So it's a promise, but there's something required of us to get closer, that leaning in involves an activity on our part, an action on our part, that we're called to have a sincere heart, a confident faith, a clear conscience, these things we've talked about the last few weeks, and if you've missed those messages, I encourage you to go online and to seek them out. But, but there's a fourth part that's mentioned in this verse. It kind of gives it away that it's in bold. It's our body. It's our body, a washed body. But what is a washed body? What is a washed body? Let's be clear about what a washed body is. But first, let's talk about first what a washed body is not. Now, given many of us have grown up in different church traditions where the body was regarded in, in different ways, and maybe you were in one of those traditions or in a local community where, you know, you 
grew up wearing your absolute Sunday best, right? You spent lots and lots of money, or your parents did, and you always had to look absolutely 100%. And then when you, when you got to church, what did you do? You looked around at everybody else, right? And pretty soon it became the fashion show. And it was who was wearing this, who was not wearing this. And maybe you grew up in a household you couldn't afford to wear what everybody else was. That there was a sense of, okay, well, your physical appearance, you have to look perfect for God. Well, that's not what a wash body means. That's not what a wash body means. A wash body is, all, is not that we need to clean up our lives first before God will have us. It's actually the opposite. That God meets us where we are. God meets us in our dirt, in our mess, when we're messed up, when we're in the pit. He meets us there. He doesn't say, okay, get better first, you know, deal with that addiction first, and then come to me. No, he says the opposite, that he meets us where we are. So it doesn't mean that we need to clean ourselves up first before we have that full access. It also doesn't mean that we act like everything's perfect in our lives, you know, and, and that's a very common thing to do, that when we, we attend worship or we meet other Christians, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine, right? I'm just doing fine. I'm doing great, wonderful. When, when underneath you're crumbling down inside, deep inside of you, that having a washed body doesn't mean like just putting a facade of fake plastic on the surface and smiles that, that don't mean truth. Because Jesus had a word to say to people, especially religious people, that maybe did the right practices, you know, maybe had perfect attendance in their, in their worship, who were physically clean, people that yet disregarded moral standards. He talked to the Pharisees, and you know what he called them? He called them dirty cups. He said, y'all are like dirty cups. Like, you, you clean the outside, you wash the outside, but the inside's all dirty and grody. And there's all kinds of stuff in there that it's important that you take care of what's inside and not just what's outside. So if that's what a wash body is not, what is a wash body? Well, to determine that, we have to go back to the first century and ask that question about what, what it meant to be washed. Well, in ancient times, of course, we know that water was a very scarce thing, that many of us take showers or baths just about every day or hopefully you know, every other day at least. But, but in ancient times, water was scarce. And it was like, it wasn't like, oh, I need to go take a shower again. Like, oh man, you know, it was like, yay, I get to take a shower. Like, oh my gosh, it's been, I don't know, since when. And, and this, this is a figurine from some archaeological digs that date back to about the first century time of Jesus that demonstrates what personal washing, how people would bathe. And they usually took a pot or some kind of dish and they would pour the water over top of their head to get clean. It was something that the royalty of the time did more often than the commoners. But there was a second part of washing that many of the Jewish tradition would take part in, and that was this ritual bathing, this bathing for ceremonial purposes. And this is a, this is a picture of what's called a mikvah. And if you go to Israel today, you can tour some of these. It's a, it's a ritual bath that both men and women would undergo, where it, it was a means of purification from contamination. That in, in the book of Leviticus, there's lots and lots of rules about what men and women would have to do in certain times of their lives and during certain parts of their weeks and days. That it was meant means of purification from outward contamination. But this process of, of being bathed ceremonial was also symbolic as, to, as well. It was symbolic of the removal of sin. First, admitting 
to say, I'm a, I have a dirty body. I've used my, way, my hands in ways that I shouldn't. I've used my feet. I've gone places. I've looked at things. I've thought, used my brain in, in, in dirty ways. And I'm admitting that, and I'm taking an action to remove it. So it was purification. It was also symbolic. And, and it was a means of setting the people who were following God apart from everybody else. That, that was a means of being different, as dedicated to God. Because for you and I, the default in our world and in our lives is dirty. The default is dirty. And you know this because if you leave your car outside long enough, it's eventually just going to collect dirt. You know, if you leave your shoes out on the porch, you, they're eventually just going to get dirty. That's the nature of things. You know, you put a ch- child outside for two hours, they're going to, when they come back, they're going to be dirty. Like default is dirt that we need to take action. We need to take action in order to take care of our whole selves. And the idea of mikvot and ceremonial washing, to, to clean the entire body, not just parts of it, but the body in its entirety. The ways that, that we use our false selves, that it matters, what you see, what you say, your hands, your feet, how you use the, the parts of your body that are covered up, that we are called to use our body as to glorify God. And it's a process that washing is not a one and done deal. You know, I, I, I hope that um, you continually physically wash yourself. I do. You know, I, I hope that it's, showering is not just a, something that you do like they did in ancient times that is kind of a periodic thing because you know and I know that, that dirt builds up, that pro- washing is something we have to undergo time and time again. And that's what the scripture is pointing to, is that it's a process of purification of our admittance of, of sin and our need to remove it and also that we're different, that if you've placed your faith in Christ, you're called to be different. You're called to be set apart from those who have not. And washing is an ongoing process. But then the question is that, then why does a washed body matter though? Why does it even matter if I'm washed or not in, in the spiritual sense? So, so to get to this, we're gonna look at Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians, which is a response basically to dirty bodies. To dirty bodies and, and a dirty body collectively, the body of Christ in the church. And Paul's addressing body problems. Imagine that inside the church, you know, that the church isn't a perfect group of people. Imagine that, right? That there's problems inside the church. And Paul first says that first, you can't expect those outside the body of Christ to act like those who are inside the body of Christ. So, so if, you, if you're not a believer, like, okay, you can continue to live as, as, and use your body however you so choose, but if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to be different. And, and he talks about this one situation. He alludes to, there's a situation where there's this guy in the church that's sleeping with his stepmom. And even the pagans on the outside, they're like, that's weird. Like, everybody's like, that's freaky. And then there's another situation where... There's prostitutes who are working at the pagan temple in Corinth. And imagine Corinth had a probably huge men's ministry going on. And, and there's this, this stuff that's happening. And Paul's like, no, no, y'all are different. You guys are different. What you do physically affects you spiritually and affects you all spiritually. Because God cares about the body. 
that your body is valuable. That's the reason why a washed body matters. Your body is valuable. And the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. He says, he quotes them, a saying of the time. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. God's going to destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Should you know that the, he who unites himself with a prostitute is one in her body? For it's said, the two will become one flesh, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee, flee, run from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually <coughs> sins against their own body. See, the point here he's getting at is that your body is valuable. You know, did you know that? Has anybody ever told you that? that your body is valuable, that God created the body as a gift. If we go back to Genesis, we see that God created our, our bodies not as an afterthought, but with a purpose, that they were created to be, to be beautiful things that were in relationship with God, that we were created uh, as a body and a soul together. Even Jesus, right? Jesus, Jesus is God in a bod. That's what I like to say. Jesus is, is God in the body. If you want to know who God is, then look at the person of Jesus, because Jesus was God. If, Jesus, if God were a person, he would be, he is Jesus. And, and Jesus walked this earth in a body. And it's amazing, because God gave us this gift of a body that was created to do so many things. You know, think about it for a, a second here. What kinds of things can your body do? Just shout out a couple. It can run, it can walk, it can... It can swim, it can, it can fly. <laughs> Some, somebody said, oh, climb, fly. Yeah, I guess in an air, you can hop in an airplane. You know, God gave us brains, right? He gave us brains to invent things like airplanes. Did you know that the human brain's memory capacity can store the equivalent of more than four terabytes, four terabytes of hard drive? It's amazing. That's why you remember song lyrics from back when you were like five, right? Like, it, it's, it's amazing. How about this? So, so women, women were uh, created with the capacity to bear up to 35 children in a lifetime. How about that? Okay, do not go home and say that in church this morning, they said that we need to, no, we're not saying, not saying that, this, you know, three, soccer, three plus soccer teams, I guess. Um, but, but just the capacity, like that's pretty amazing, right? And your bones, your bone, one bone can support up to 30 times a person's body weight. 30 times, so one little bone. Um, it said that an average person walks about 100,000 miles in a lifetime. 100,000 miles, which is like walking around the equator four times. It, it's amazing. The body has such a capacity. But just like, you know, we laugh that, you know, women can bear up to 35 children in a lifetime. But, but the thing is, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can do something with your body doesn't mean you should. And that's the argument 
that's going on here because the, the people in this church in Corinth are saying, well, I have the right to do anything. Like, God's going to destroy the body anyway. Like, I'm saved. I know Jesus. I can live and do and go and participate in whatever I want. But, but Paul's response here is, is different, right? Because the people at this time are saying, well, I have the right to do anything. And I would translate that into modern version, call this the KBV, the Chris Beckert version of the Bible. I would say, if it feels good, do it. Don't we hear that a lot? It feels good, do it, right? If it feels good, if it makes you happy, do it. But Paul's like, just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because your body has a capacity doesn't mean it's beneficial, that it's good for you. I started off my January with a really happy email I received in my inbox that came from uh, Panera Bread. I don't know if anybody has ever received this before, but it was got a bagel a day from Panera. Like a bagel day. So that's like 31 bagels. I'm glad it wasn't February because it would only be 28, right? And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I can go to Panera once a day and get my free bagel. And, but then I was thinking about it. I'm like, I can do that, but should I? Right? Because like, each bagel's like, what, 400, 500 calories. Would that be good for, you know, the Chris Belly here if I ate a bagel every single day in the month of January? Maybe that's what Panera wants you to do. But just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. That, that the driving thought in the Corinthian church was actually this, this belief that had infiltrated the, the church at that time in the first century. And there was this group of people called the Gnostics. The Gnostics, the word from which we get knowledge. So it's very, like, thought-heavy. And, and this belief was that there was a, there's a separation between the physical and the spiritual. That these people didn't value the body. They saw the body as a barrier to God, and that they saw that our, our goal in life was to be freed from the body, to escape the body. But Paul is appealing to that. He's saying, no, that's not true, because the, the true Christian belief is that, that it's all connected, that our body is connected to our soul, and our soul is connected to our body. And what he says here is that, first, remember the resurrection? You know, Jesus was, was resurrected. Uh, Jesus died, was put on trial, and then he was crucified, and he, was died, he died, and he was buried. And then what happened on the third day? He rose. Body. His body rose. The body was not there when the women came to the tomb. That in the resurrection, there's, it's a physical resurrection that God promises us. That Jesus himself received a glorified body. And scripture, the Bible tells us that we too will receive glorified bodies. That going to heaven is not an escape hatch that we just exit and we kind of we become floaters, right? We're just going to float up to, to heaven. No, God says that he's going to recreate us. He's going to recreate us into the intention that he had when he started in Eden. That, that it's a glorified version. It's a, it's a body that matters because the resurrection matters. See, the Gnostics, they didn't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, they believe that Jesus died, his body died, but somehow he came back as some kind of spiritual ghost or spiritual being. And Paul's saying, that's not the case because your body has value. Jesus' body has value. It's, it's a gift. It's a gift, and, and God cares. And that we are connected to Christ. 
It's Christ was resurrected and we're, we too will be resurrected, but he also appeals to our union with Christ that when you place your faith in Christ, did you know that you become joined with Christ? You become joined with Christ. And he says, should we take our body and join it with something that directly opposes that command? You know, it's like, it's like joining together with a prostitute. And he's, in this situation, he's talking about sexual immorality, but I think it, it goes beyond that. I remember back to when I was in middle school and I had to take shop classes. I don't know if you have memories of that. Well, I had to take a wood shop class and part of the rules of that class were that you had to wear gloves at all times. Well, of course, there's some kids that are too cool for school. I don't know, maybe that was you. But there was this one boy in our class who refused to wear gloves. Well, the gloves were there for a reason, mind you. And the one day we were building shelves. And to build the shelves, we were using this really, really strong adhesive that our teacher warned us about. And he said, you know, make sure you wear your gloves. We're going to, you know, put the, the, the pieces here together and have it hold. And, and, and so we were working. And I remember the boy, like, you know, holding the one piece. And then suddenly, somehow, his fingers got in the side and boom, they touched each other. Well, quickly he went, he wanted to separate them, but he found that they were kind of welded together, glued together from that adhesive, something that he was not expecting. And, and so he tried to separate, you can see him turning red at the time, and he's trying to do that and do it secretly, but, but lo and behold, the adhesive was so strong that it literally had fused his fingers together from two into one. Well, my teacher's solution was easy. Exacto knife. Just like, whoosh, yeah, some of us are like, ah, you know. And of course, there's all like blood everywhere. And he's like, ah, screaming, you know, the guy was crying, you know, he was no longer too cool for school after that incident. But, but the thing is, when we join together two things that are not supposed to be, it always creates scar tissue. When we join ourselves, our bodies together with something that opposes what God wants for us, there's always going to be scar tissue. See, the point that Paul's trying to make is we think that God's trying to prevent us from having a good time, but he's not. He's demonstrating our value, our value, that we keep ourselves washed out of care for ourselves, not out of the consequences, not out of being punished, but that we care because we see ourselves, our bodies as gifts given by God that was bought, we were bought, did you know that you were bought at an expensive price? That, that Jesus died on a cross for you, that's pretty expensive. He gave his life for you and for me. That, that these things matter because God values our bodies. That's why we, we wash them. That's why we, we clean out the dirt. And it's not just literal dirt, but it's the, the dirt that we listen to and the dirt that we put in our bodies and the dirt that we step into and the relational dirt that's, that's around us. When we make those choices, we're contaminating ourselves and we're devaluing something that's so valuable. But Paul goes on and he says, not only is your body valuable, that's why you should keep it clean, but also that, did you know your body's home to the Holy Spirit? See, he says this, do you not know your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, from whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That when we place our faith in Christ, you know who moves in? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in, known as the helper, and the Holy Spirit is here to guide us, 
to help us. That God's not just like, hey, good luck with that. Now go like live a clean life. No, he's like, I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. That when we, we decide to remove the dirt from our lives, when we take a step towards cleanliness, cleanliness always brings clarity. Cleanliness always brings clarity. Now, when it snows, it's probably common that you see people that drive around um, just like, like this picture. Anybody? You know, you raise your fist at them when they're driving. You're like, five minutes, like take five minutes to clean off the rest of that snow. Um, but, and, and what's this guy's problem? What's, what could happen when he backs out of his driveway? What, what could happen? Yeah, get into an accident, right? He's not going to be able to see what's around him. You know, he might be able to see what's directly in front, but there's no way that he can see what's around him. Well, the same thing happens with the Holy Spirit, because I think the Holy Spirit inside of us is constantly showing us things, but there's so much uh, dirt involved in our lives that we have a hard time seeing exactly where he's pointing, that we can't see because there's so much other stuff that's, that's surrounding us, that God is constantly speaking to us. And it's amazing because when, when, we're, when we have so much dirt that's, that's around us, we miss things around us. But what's interesting is just taking that moment to begin to clean, it makes all the difference between whether you get to your destination or whether you get lost. Right? That, that it makes all the difference because it, it, cleanliness always brings clarity. Cleanliness always brings clarity. And the Holy Spirit can't show you things if you haven't taken the, the effort in order to, to begin to clean the areas that God has shown to you and revealed to you that he wants to draw close to you in. And I would say that this, that if you're in the middle even of a big decision, one of the best things you can do, do it's to participate in the spiritual practice of fasting. Fasting. Whether it's from social media or entertainment or especially food, go for a fast. Try a day. Try not eating between breakfast and dinner. And instead, use that time to, to read God's word, to ask God, what is it that you want of me? What direction will you point me in? Because there's a spiritual connection to our bodies. And sometimes it, it takes stripping away all the things that have gotten in the way in order to clearly listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. Cleanliness always brings clarity. But the last piece here is that your body is first of value, and your body is home to the Holy Spirit, but we value ourselves and we wash ourselves and keep ourselves clean because your body is also a part of Christ's body. Your body is a part of Christ's body. And so we see this in, in the scripture. We see where in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14, Paul says, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. See, our bodies... What is a body? It's a medium through which we interact with the world and through which the world sees us. The same thing is true for the body of Christ. That the body of Christ is a medium through which we, as believers, interact with the world 
and the way that the world sees us. The body is compromised of every believer in Christ. That means that if you are a part of Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, you don't have a choice. You are a part of a body. You're called to be a part of a body. You can't guillotine Jesus, right? You can't cut off his head and say, I'm going to keep the head and stay unconnected from the, uh, the legs and the feet and the dirty parts and all this. It, that's not a choice. You, know, that you can't just hold on to Jesus' head and to remove the rest. That we are Jesus' means of outreach to the world. And yes, being a part of a body is a messy thing. That there's relational struggles, there's, there's things that happen, but, but it's required because we need to be connected. We need to be connected. We need the other parts. When I was in seminary, I had a practice on Thursday nights before class. I would go to McDonald's and get my little dinner thing and then go back to school and eat with my friends before class. And this one Thursday night, I remember I was sitting down, finishing my Mickey D's, and I had the gurgle, 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 gurgle. Ever have that? The rumblings. Not a good feeling. I was like, eh, I feel okay. So I went to class, felt okay, drove home, felt okay, woke up the next morning, felt okay, went out for a run as I normally do in first thing in the morning, felt okay, got back from that run, did not feel okay. And I ended up in the bathroom for a couple hours. And then, you know, it's kind of like the, the both end thing going on, and you're like, ah, this is terrible. And then eventually I wound up in the hospital because I lost so much fluids and uh, had 104 temperature and um, as they were trying to figure out what antibiotics to put me on and they they discovered what bacteria had infected my system what's well, a bacteria that comes when somebody didn't wash their hands somebody working at that McDonald's didn't do this and so you know who it affected me me. So the way one person was using their body or didn't, something that they didn't do affected someone that wasn't even at fault, that was, that was innocent, except for buying a uh, Big Mac at that, <laughs> at that time. But, but isn't that true, right? That if you're connected, that means you're also affected. That what you do with your body always affects more than you. It's not just your choice. And you know this, because addiction is never about an individual. Abortion is never a single decision. An affair is never between only two people. A divorce never affects just a couple. That, that you can think of things, you can think of times when one person's decisions or actions with their body rippled down to you, right? And it hurts. And many times it's an innocent person. That, that we're all connected. That what we do with our bodies matters. And it's not, just, it's not about just keeping ourselves nice and smelling wonderful, but it's about what we do with our parts. And, and there's many of us here that have been part of a church where we were affected spiritually by what someone did physically. Maybe that's why you left a certain community because of what happened. You know, all you have to do is mention the pastor and the organ player, Right? And you think about what comes next, and thankfully, um, that's one of the reasons why we don't have an organ here at Salem Fields. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but, but the church, we're meant to be Jesus' outreach to the world, to the world, and we're not going to be perfect. But it's not just in a bad way, though, that we affect one another. It's in a good way, too, and we lose sight of this, that being connected matters because what spreads besides dirt? Cleanliness. You know, maybe you have a friend or someone that you, you've met here 
that maybe indicated some dirt in your life that you didn't even see, that we need each other. Uh, it, it takes people together that it's not always a comfortable practice, but we, as iron sharpens iron, we, we build each other up, that it can be in a good way too. What if you would see yourself as that? To say, you know what, that connection I have to other people, I'm going to, to help and I'm going to expect them to help me to get clean because I think we have to ask that question. Are the relationships and friendships I'm in, are they making me dirtier or are they making me cleaner? And the good news is the church especially here at Salem Fields, is meant to serve that purpose. Because here's where you get the guts to break that cycle, to reach out to stranded body parts that you know of in the community, to change even people's eternity, to be a part of a tool that God uses. And being physically a part of this impacts you and your family spiritually. So what do we do then? What do we do then? How do we keep a wash body? Well, just to tie things up with a bow, it, it relates to those three things I mentioned, the, the idea of, of value, the idea of the Holy Spirit, and that idea of connection. And, and so we keep a washed body by exercising discipline because the default is always going to be dirt. And Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. That the default is always dirt. But, but we don't mind, we need to watch the things that we're, we're, our eyes are watching. We need to look at the things that we're, that we're listening to. Pay attention to the places that we're attending. You know, are, are we treating our bodies valuably? Or is there something else, a different choice to be doing? And it takes practice. It's a step-by-step-by-step by step by step thing. You know, you, you, you can't turn the Titanic with, or you can't turn any kind of big ship without going at least a mile. That things sometimes take time and process to, to keep going, but we need to begin to exercise discipline. But then we also need to follow the Holy Spirit. That's another way of, of keeping a wash body. And Paul says the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, right? You know people like that. And cannot understand them because they discern only through the Spirit. This person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. It's following the spirit, not your feelings, because feelings are gonna go up and down. But when we listen to that still small voice inside of us and we take that step, something changes. But it's also, and I think this is one of the, this is one of the most important things for me, is that we need to also connect to cleaners. People that clean us and challenges us. And Paul says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. That's why we need the church. That swimming upstream in this culture and society is very, very difficult by yourself. But when you have a team of people, when you have people you can count on, that, that can help you along that journey and help you lean into God, that makes all the difference. So is who you're connected to adding their dirt to your life or are they helping you get clean? So because what we do physically affects us spiritually. What we do as a body physically affects us spiritually and affects our witness to those around us spiritually. So if we revisit those two questions, I started at the beginning. Do we believe, do you believe what you do with your body will affect you spiritually? And the second, do you believe what you do with your body 
will affect others and your collective church body spiritually. See, the good news is God meets you in your mess, no matter what you're dealing with, in your dirt, however you've been struggling, but it's up to you to ask him in, to help you, to be a part of it, to, to ask for forgiveness and receive him into your life that the Holy Spirit will then empower you and connect you to a greater body. Because while he may meet you in your dirt, God doesn't want you to stay there. Will you lean in? Will you lean in? And, and I don't know what it is for you, but we're going to just take a moment right now. And I'm going to ask everyone to just close your eyes and, um, and to pray, Lord. To open ourselves to what it is in our lives, something that we're wrestling with, a way that we've been using our body. And I don't know, maybe it's just, it's, it's something we've been struggling with for a long time. But I imagine that, that God rejoice, is rejoicing over you when you value your body as he does. What is that one small step you can begin to lean in with your body? Lord, Father, work in the lives of the people who here you love so much. And as everyone is here, reflect on what that is. Reflect in prayer. Ask God. Seek God. And maybe if, if you're in a small group, maybe it's with your family, Maybe it's that you're going to bring this up in that group, and you're going to be gut honest. Maybe it's a hard conversation to just say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. I've been looking at pictures on my phone, and I just have this app, and I need your help. I want to be held accountable for this. Or, hey, there's a toxic relationship in your life. The people you've been hanging out with, they've just been producing so much dirt, and it's getting you places you never thought you'd be. Maybe it's the next time that you're in that situation, you say no that you step away. Or, or maybe it's something that you're, you're listening to or something going on at work, the dirty jokes, the racist jokes that you keep laughing at. Maybe it's, it's stepping away from that or shutting it down, being the bold one to step in and say, no, that's not right. Or bring to our minds and our hearts what that is. Help us to take one small step. In Scripture, in, in Zechariah, you say, you do not despise this day of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Help us to the, today. And if that's you, just as a sign of your commitment, I want you to just raise your hand. Raise your hand here today. If you're going to take one small step, whatever it is, just raise your hand today to say, I've, I've been wrestling with a part of my body. There's hands here. That today I'm going to make that commitment to say, I'm going to do that. And before God is my witness, I'm going to take that step. Thank you. And, and there's some of us here today that have just been making many excuses. We know we've realized that God has been chasing after us. And some of us have been floating around this stuff, but we've never really fully submitted to God with our whole lives. What's our problem? Well, the default is dirt. That's our problem. But when you call on the name of Jesus, he reaches out. He forgives you. He meets you where you are. He's, he's been chasing you. He wants all of you. He wants you to have him in your life to guide you. And if that's you today, if you've never done that before, if you've never submitted the entirety of yourself to him, he's been chasing you down, if you'll just raise your hand, You'll raise your hand to say, Lord, I just want you in my life. I want you. There we go. There's, there's a hand. Lord, bless you. 
bless you. To say, I want my whole body and soul to be, to be in your kingdom, God. And we celebrate that because that's entrance into eternity to say, I want you in my life, God. I want you to, to not just speak to me and guide you, but I want to give you my entire self. And what a joy that is to just be brought into the kingdom and the forgiveness. All the past, it's all behind me. It's just like I'm taking a shower, right? After playing in the, in the dirt for a long time, the kids that come in off the playground, you're just washed clean. That's what he's doing right now. Lord, we thank you in this day. We thank you for your grace that's always enough for meeting us here. Lord, help us to lean in. And we pray this all in Jesus' name today. Amen. I
challenged to lean in, that when, when we draw close to God, he draws close to us. And the good news is that no one, no one is too far from his grace. And the good news is today we have people here that experienced his grace for the full time, that were ushered into the kingdom of God. Can we give them a round of applause? Amen. A new start, a washed body, a clear conscience. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. We've felt your Holy Spirit, Lord, among us, Lord. But when we leave here, we're going to go back to the world as it was when we left it. But yet, Lord, remind us that we are changed and that how we use our bodies affects us spiritually and can also impact those around us for good, for joy, for peace, for extending your love. Lord, help us to be a light to those around us, to lean into you with all that we are and all that we do. And we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.